Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Realcom Live. Um, we've got a great show for you today. But before we get started, just want to remind you that uh, Realcom's coming up in a couple of weeks, uh, a little bit over two weeks, and we are busy behind the scenes getting sets built, the studio built, the guest schedule, the content organized. We are going to bring you the best topics, the, the, the hot topics, if you will, of the industry from our stage at Realcom. So Realcom Live is gonna go off the virtual component and get into the studio in a little bit over two weeks. So hopefully um, you're gonna be joining us for that. So what we do the last month or so um, for Realcom Live before the conference is pick the big topics. We wanna to start talking about them early so we hit the ground running when we get there. And this week is no different. The, the topic, uh, prop tech investments. Um, this has been going on you know, uh, since 2009 after the crash. Uh, what we call the third or the fourth phase of PropTech. Uh, and the money that's been coming into this market for the last 13 years is nothing short of extraordinary. Um, I have been a critic on, on how much money and the lack of governance and the lack of focus. Uh, there's nobody more interested in PropTech innovation and young startup companies than I, um, uh, than I am. But uh, I have been a little critical on, on what's been going on. And I think we're actually starting to see some cracks in the ice. And uh, we're going to be talking about that a little bit today, but we're not just uh, on that, but also the great opportunities and the great companies that are out there. And we've got two phenomenal guests, uh, Ivo Van Brooklyn from PropTech Connection. He's out of Chicago. And Stephen McDonald, PropTech Connection out of Australia. And just want to note, Stephen is up at three o'clock in the morning his time. And I want to say thank you. So why don't we bring these guys in and let's talk about what the heck is going on in PropTech investment. Hi, guys. How are you? Thank you, Jim, for having us. Hi, Jim. And Stephen, I want to say thank you again. Um, you know, three o'clock in the morning, uh, I've done that. You set the alarm or sometimes you never go to bed. And uh, and uh, it's a little crazy when you're trying to do international and um, the clock goes 24 hours a day. Indeed, no problem. And thank you for the opportunity. So, um, boy, what a big topic, okay? I mean, billions, billions, billions of dollars, okay? Uh, and I'll I refer to the fourth phase of PropTech uh, after the dot com, uh, not dot com, after the financial crash in 2008, the money just starts pouring in. From my vantage point, um, and, and actually, Ian, if you could bring it up, that might be a good time to, to just set some groundwork. So what we're looking at here, we presented this graphic on a, on a large LED wall at our uh, conference in Nashville in 2019. And at the time, there was 3,000 prop tech companies, and those are each one of their logos. And um, I think we actually copied and pasted some of these just to, you know, show the impact. But but at the time we were saying three thousand. Today, I think we're talking. I've heard numbers of six, seven, and eight thousand globally. So when you look at the, these number of companies, it's it's astounding that that there could be this many new companies dealing with an industry that historically has been pretty stubborn in rapid adoption, right? And so what I would like to do, you know, today is talk about, you know, a little bit of that history, but given that you guys are so focused on this globally, um, we're going to get into some of the nitty gritty. So why don't we start with each of you taking 30 seconds, just give the audience a little bit of your background so they know from where you came as it relates to this topic. Sure. Um, I'll, I'll maybe kick off. Um, I was actually investing clean tech uh, for a major VC fund um, about 13 years ago. 
Um, and it's quite interesting when you look to start to see some of the concepts now, we were still looking at them then, and it was more around that energy independence piece. So I've come from that clean tech VC fund world where I'm from in Scotland, moved to Australia, worked within a major re in real estate, looking at Captrans, support the team there, and looking at how it impacts financials, and then headed up the data analytics function for a major REIT, and then headed up the investment team for uh, the largest prop tech VC fund here in Australia. So you actually started from the clean tech perspective, which is, you know, has a, a great relationship with prop tech. Um, that's where you got your start. Yes, that's right. Okay, Ivo? Yeah, so um, about myself, I'm actually originally from the Netherlands. Uh, so from Amsterdam, background in international business and finance, and then worked uh, in, in different geographies. So moved to Asia, lived a number of years in South America, and then made my way out through the US. Um, worked for, did some consulting work for a, a, a small a boutique investment bank, and then set up the PropTech uh, connection. And what I do in the business is basically lead our global origination network efforts. So basically responsible for an entire network piece where we have um, a very strong global uh, uh, presence um, sitting basically in the middle of the three different actors, right? So the investors, the buyers, and the prop techs. You know, so, so in the investment community, you know, you've got angels, you got venture, you got family offices, you got all sorts of different buckets of capital. So what made the two of you decide on prop tech? What, what, was, what attracted you to this intersection of real estate and technology? I think maybe I'll, I'll kick off this one. Um, I think it's a natural fit given our experience and what we do. And one of the key things that we saw, obviously having that experience both in real estate and construction and the lack of tech adoption in, in conjunction with that, that obviously the large amount of capital pouring into the ecosystem is a tremendous, is a recipe for, for, for great success, I would say. And the one thing that we saw in the market is that it's a very siloed and inefficient market. And we thought and felt that it had to be global. Um, so that's actually the main driver why we started it. But I think given that understanding that deep knowledge in, in investments, as well as in real estate, and also understanding the tech side, I think is really, really relevant to get things done. Stephen, how about you? Yes, as Eva said, it was a, a function of our backgrounds and we, we've taken a very structured approach to how we, we look at it. Um, I think people are struggling to adopt or, or even to invest as you see more general funds come in. And I think to your point, Jim, it's a function of there's so many companies out there. And what we sat down and said is we can actually support every one of those actors and actually meeting the right people. So it's not just a race to marketing. Who, and then it, the big funds get inundated with um, propositions, but there's a level of tier two in terms of marketing or awareness that have equally deep pockets and they're looking to invest. And a lot of prop techs don't know about it on the, the real estate side it's very difficult to unpack which is the most relevant one for them and we'll come on to it but in our view it's very bespoke to your asset never mind your portfolio so then you actually have to navigate this really awkward system to find a, a company that's suiting suits your strategic needs now you know in the course of putting on our events and all of the media we produce and everything i talk to a lot of startups you know and that proverbial you know young kid good idea gets five million dollars and, and, you know, I'll be on the phone with them and they're all excited and I'm, I'm excited for them. I mean, I started a real estate prop tech company in 1999, right? I, you know, first one of the first enterprise-based solutions for the real estate industry on the internet, you know, using the internet as, as, the, as the background or backdrop, I should say. So after talking to them for 15 minutes, I start to realize that they're not talking about a company. They're talking about an automation sequence inside of a module 
that's inside of an application, which is part of an enterprise. <laughs> okay, so I mean, many companies, big companies, established companies, actually have the exact identical functionality inside a very small part of their big enterprise. This person had no idea it existed. Okay, didn't do any due diligence on competitive market. Why does the market give money to people with unproven idea? I mean, obviously unproven ideas, they're all unproven, but ideas that haven't been properly vetted and, and, and really haven't done the deep dive. And as we were talking earlier, it appears that there's a lot of uh, folks who just aren't doing their homework before they, they, they place the capital or they make the investments. Would you agree or disagree? I, I think not doing their homework is strong. I think there's potentially an erroneous assumption around the scalability of some techs. And I think if you look at FinTech or, or BTC, it's much easier to scale that. And then once you can prove a bit of traction, you, you can then extrapolate that and that's your valuation and that's worth the money. Real estate is much more nuanced and you need to realize that and then, um, understand that it's going to take a lot longer. Um, so I don't think it's necessarily homework. Brilliant, bri brilliant point. Let's pause. Let's, let's, let's unpack that. In the financial investment algorithm, adoption rate has, has, has typically been seriously miscalculated. Is that what you just said? I, I never said seriously. What I was saying is, is it's very hard to calculate. And if you apply the same hurdles or benchmarks that you would on other types of tech so that's where you can start to see problems and it's a function of a number of things if you look at even asia we've split it into three in terms of where they are in terms of their economies potentially their tech adoption and their real estate sophistication i mean india only had REITs three four years ago and the potentially is huge so yes you may have a solution that works well in the us or western europe but that doesn't mean it's going to necessarily be attracted to somebody in India, Indonesia, South, South America, whereas something like a Spotify or a, an app that people use, that can be used in Brazil equally as it can be used in right. Czechoslovakia or somewhere. And I think I that's- will, what I will, Let me pivot. Why do you think people make the, the uh, or tie FinTech and PropTech together so quickly, right? Um, you know, they're both kind of in the financial markets, but to Stephen's point, it's the real estate industry is much more um, separate, much more categorized, much more bifurcated and nuanced. Why do people assume if I, if I make these assumptions and logical you know, conclusions in FinTech, I can automatically apply them to PropTech? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Actually, what we're seeing in the market and where there's a lot of interest from investors uh, in terms of deploying capital is that payment layer on in, in PropTech. So that intersection on PropTech and FinTech, I think is very, very hot. And and to some of the things that Stephen mentioned, and also you, I think um, it's we often see that on the prop tech side, folks think that geographical proximity is a is a reason for success, and we don't think that's necessarily the case. So, to your point, uh, Jim, that you asked earlier about deploying capital, uh, we think it's also a lot about visibility, right? So, um, being able to bring the right opportunities to the right investors is, is I think, very, very uh, important. And what we started to see is obviously that it was very regional biased, right? So country per country and where we really believe it needs to be that, that global play. Well, I, I, I was on a phone with a, a venture capitalist and we were talking about the market and he said, I won't even consider 
any companies unless they bring me a deck that's going to clearly define how they're going to disintermediate. I won't name the name, but one of the major enterprise players in our industry. And all I kept thinking was they don't understand how long it would take to rip that solution out of a real estate company. The thought, the data, the migration, the conversions that even if this person had, you know, the cure to cancer, so to speak, it, even if it was the, you know, the best thing that we've seen in years, you just could not make that decision overnight. Right. And so to come out and say, I'm going to disintermediate the major enterprise player to me was somewhat naive. Right. And, and, you know, we've had millions of those conversations and I just wonder, you know, what kind of due diligence is going behind the deployment of this capital. I want to get to a couple more questions before we take a break quickly. If one of you could explain what it is you guys do, what, what makes you different in the prop tech sector? I'll, I'll maybe just quickly just do this one. Um, we support, and as I say, we've structured it from a real estate conceptual view. So whether it's housing affordability, whether it's space utilization, whether it's um, customer experience, and then we've actually backed a suite of technologies from our network of 15,000 prop techs that meet that use case. And then from a, from a strategic point of view, if you're a real estate company, we support you and recommend a suite of technologies and then the best performing prop techs that meet your criteria. From an investment lens, we give you access to global deal flow, very expensive for origination. As Evo said, there is a regional bias given that cost. And then the prop text is obviously, we then give insights into potential customers should they want to go from APAC to the US, but also capital that, that meets their requirements. So well. you wedge yourself right in between the supply and the demand side. 100%. Yeah, Independent, neutral, yeah, un that, that, unbiased that, as humanly possible advice. Absolutely. That's Criti cri critically needed. All right. Um, I'm not going to get to my next question before the break, but I want you to think about this while we take a, a brief commercial. Um, last 60 days, lots of news articles, uh, what seems to be some cracks in the ice. And I want to talk about, is this an anomaly? It was this just a post-pandemic uh, hiccup, or are we starting to see some real signs that the whole prop tech investment landscape uh, may be changing right before our eyes? So let's take a brief break and we'll be right back. Hello, I'm Rao Mulpuri, and along with my colleagues, over the last 12 years, we've been building VUE to transform the day-to-day -day window. The smart window controls heat and glare, eliminates blinds and shades, and provides VUE and natural light all the time. Because we have a highly connected system, we're able to bring a whole host of smart building applications. For example, this video you're watching is coming to you through the VUE Smart Display, which is a high-definition display that's installed right into the window. Also on this platform, we have a sensor array that has a number of environmental sensors, and these can be used in order to control the environment precisely for the health and wellness of the people. These new applications transform buildings into living spaces that help us engage, interact, and communicate with each other. The buildings will be transformed into high-speed 5G cell towers with complete wireless coverage. Now that the blinds are lifted, these humanized spaces will keep us entertained while keeping us connected to natural light and views of the outdoors. And we're just getting started. All right. So, you know, we're talking about the adoption timeframe. Okay. Just a, a note on, on what View's doing, and they're doing phenomenal 
work. They're going to be at our conference in a big way. I first saw that concept in Seoul, South Korea in 2004. Okay. So, you know, think about that, that, and, and he said, we're just getting started. Actually, that concept, that theme has been started for almost 20 years now. So I think everybody needs to really look at that adoption time frame part of the algorithm and, and realize that even if it isn't the, if it is the best thing since sliced bread, 18, 24 months, you know, changing of the world is not realistic. And, and, and a slow, you know, crawl, walk, run is still the way a lot of these businesses start and, and ultimately end up. So, all right. So going back to the question before the break, um, what are you seeing in the articles? What are you hearing? Are you hearing the same thing that, that's floating around my inbox in the last 60 to 90 days? I think what we're seeing in the market, obviously, there is quite some pressure on the equity markets. Um, and what we see on the investor side, I think, is a couple of things to point out. One is that there's caution in the market. So you see already some of the valuations are, are, are dropping, uh, which in itself obviously creates a lot of opportunities, uh, meaning that uh, some private equity funds are probably looking for some consolidation opportunities. There are a lot of companies in the market. We do believe that there is a lot of capital still coming into the market, but obviously there's more caution, meaning that probably allocating that capital is gonna be more, um, um, how should I say, more delicate than it may have been uh, before. So Stephen, um, when we were in the green room, you had mentioned, we don't want to mention names, but a major, you know, Silicon Valley investment fund that that is making statements that, you know, within 30 days, the, the, the big layoffs are coming. Can you elaborate without naming names, but give us some, you know, context on, on, on what that analysis and those statements were all about? I think the just tech in general, I think there's been an overriding assumption that just just to spend and you'll raise it the next round and it's all about that that global capture. And I think there's now definitely a return to fundamentals and, and the, the fund in, in point was kind of alluding to that fact. I think it was quite an extensive presentation and it was kind of be be game ready for a rapidly shifting environment, both funding and macro, I think. And when you say rapid, um, I remember the day in 1990. I mean, it, it literally, it's like it's a mind shift happens, like literally within a 24 hour period. 1990 real estate crash, 2001.com and 2008 financial. And maybe it wasn't a day, maybe it was a week or a month, but there, it, it's like a lot of confusion. Then there's quiet and something's going on and then it makes the change, right? And, and so the way I would look at this is it, a lot of craziness has been going on for a long time. This will be painful. There's no doubt, but I think it's healthy. And I think in my career, the best innovation has always occurred after this hype phase, the recalibration, the collapse, if you will, the tightening. And then when that bottoms, that's when the real innovation picks up. I mean, think about in 2001, we had two great companies, you know, when that market crashed and our exhibit floor went from 200 to 100, two little companies that survived were CoStar and LoopNet, okay? Because they were good, strong companies, fundamentals, good management team. Well, CoStar ends up buying LoopNet and now CoStar is a billion dollar company, right? Multi-billion dollar. So it's it's painful, but it's necessary. And actually a lot of good comes when we get through it. So, yeah. all right, let's turn to the positive because like I said, the world's not stopping. These cycles are normal throughout history. Um, when we come out, assuming that this is a tightening and, and you know, prop tech is going to come back stronger than ever, what ideas, concepts, 
you know, areas do you like? Smart buildings, uh, you know, uh, indoor air quality, ESG. I mean, what is it that you see um, a lot of the money going to be going to in the next five to 10 years? Yeah, maybe a couple of things to, to highlight. And thanks for the question, uh, Jim. I think one of the key things that we are actually looking at quite, quite a bit is, is the emerging markets. Uh, what you start to see there is that the concept of prop tech is still pretty new. Um, but the scale of the opportunities is, is obviously massive. Um, understanding that in Africa, for example, you have to pay, you know, uh, rent 12 months upfront with a, hefty, a very heavy uh, commission structure. So in some of those markets like Brazil, Vietnam, India, we are looking very, very closely. We think there are massive opportunities uh, uh, materializing uh, fairly soon. So that's more on, on a regional bias with the right capital partners, the right management team and executing on that strategy. We think there's a, there's a great opportunity. And then maybe on, on the thematic side where we see most interest from, from, from an investor standpoint, I would say is threefold. One is probably number one is around construction tech. Um, sales cycles tend to be a little bit more compressed. So the path to cash is much more compelling. So we see a lot of activity there. Uh, we see a lot of corporate uh, venture arms coming in in, in in that arena. And the second uh, thematic is around data. Um, so you see basically that model of capturing data as early as possible in, in the cycle. And the third one, obviously, that's, that's always on the forefront of the news and the media is ESG. Uh, but we see a shift uh, both from institutional uh, folks, as well as on the uh, real estate company side, where um, it's not more about talking, but actually it's a lot of folks are talking about implementation. So we think um, there's a lot of capital coming into the market there. Uh, and, and, and before we go to Stephen on that same question, Ivo, I would beg to differ with you a little bit. You said PropTech's a fairly new phenomena. There's a, an illustration, a graphic on our website under the About tab that shows the history of prop tech. We, we believe we're in the fifth phase right now. And we also believe that this prop tech revolution started in about the 1950s, okay? With companies like Johnson, Honeywell, Siemens, right? Uh, and then programs like, you know, accounting, IWMS, and then, you know, phase one, two, three, four, and now five is next generation AI machine. But I, I, I think we need to agree that, you know, or, or at least have a good discussion debate on, is prop tech new or, or is it just been an evolution that continues to improve, but has actually been around a while? Yeah. So I, I was more referring to pointing out to the fact that it's on, on that regional play, right? So, um, in, in, in certain countries, obviously there's prop tech, but it just, it's not as advanced as obviously what it is in Europe or the U S and what we start to see in some of those markets that some of the proven Winners models are actually copycats of, 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 of you know, interesting US. enough, though. I, I mean, I've spent some time looking at China uh, and, and they're they're going for it. Not, I mean, you look at the Huawei strategy and the smart building district city strategy. Um, that's a whole episode. That, in fact, that's a month's worth of episodes, which we will start dealing with after the conference, starting to look at globally who really is leading the race in prop tech implementation and such. Stephen, um, what do you see? Similar to what Evil said, I still think a lot of companies, particularly in Cretech, the commercial sector, is still fixing its data. It's, it's still that data play to actually structure that data to give actual insights, whether that be project execution, sorry, project like transaction based or leasing. Um, and then on the construction side, as Evil said as well, to your point, Jimmy, about disrupting incumbents, that sector construction has, has had very little tech. And actually the, the marginal impact of that is much greater. So you're starting to see automation or visualization of things, which was paper-based 
And then from there, you can extrapolate those insights to a portfolio level. And what that means in real language is if you've got two billions of capital in construction, and I can save you 2% on the project execution because I use an app to take a picture of quality assurance versus writing a bit of paper, that, that's huge quantums of cash. Yeah. And yeah. it's relatively recession-proof. Construction is quite consistent. Um, yeah, I think the way I would sum it up with, you know, we're at that place with this paradigm shift taking place. Before you decide to automate that million square foot building, you got to get it right size because, you know, how many people are going back to the office? How many people use malls? This whole COVID experiment shifted everything. So op, number one is you you got to right size the portfolio. Then number two, you got to automate the heck out of it. It's got to be run efficiently, effectively, energy efficient. But most important, it needs to have experience part of that when you go back. And that, now we start talking metaverse and a whole new set of, 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 tech, of, of conversations. And on the construction tech, which there's one application, I hear there's a rumor that the Boston Dynamics robot spot might be speaking at RealCom and IBCon. I, I, I heard that rumor. Yeah. <laughs> so well, we're, we're going to actually have a robot registered. <laughs> we're, we're trying to figure out how we hang his his uh, his badge. <laughs> look, look, look forward to meeting him or her. Yeah, I mean, we don't just talk innovation. We ourselves take risks. We believe if we're asking everybody to innovate, we got to do it as well and be prepared to fail, by the way. Okay, we're running over, but I got one more quick question. 30 seconds, each of you. Um, you got an investor, you're on the elevator, you're coming down. He, he holds up a check for a billion dollars and says, where do I put it? Start with Ivan. Uh, good question. I think it's around that automation piece that Stephen was saying, um, automated decision-making uh, insights. I think that's the play, aggregating of, of data. Um, I think that's the play. Is there a, you don't, I don't name it, but is there a company or a couple companies that you're pretty excited about right now? Yeah, we, uh, there, there are a number. I think uh, we've, we've seen a number of companies, I think also that intersection on, on how to leverage blockchain technology to also optimize and and be more transparent in certain data sets, let's say, is, is, is something that we're looking in closely. Yeah, and, and a lot of those companies are gonna be at the conference. We've got all the enterprise, you know, 30 year old traditional powerhouses. We've got that middle, you know, uh, marketplace that's just the stabilizer, the 10, 15 year old company. And then we got a slew of startups. And guess what? You need all of those to be part of the ecosystem. It's not just startups, it's just not enterprises. They all work together to keep this thing moving. Uh, Stephen, final thoughts, billion dollars. What do you do? Not at the moment, not crypto, um, but I think, um, <laughs> or, or you should maybe, maybe well, you should. Yeah, exactly. End of your strategy. But I, I think, um, we, we just gone through data sets actually, and we've shaped some of our metadata and, and data dictionaries. And for us, it's actually a key concept is spatialization and space repurposing. And if you look at what's happened in the U S over the last couple of years, I think it was 18,000 apartments in 2019. Then I think it's gonna be 32,000 apartments in 2022 has been repurposed from primarily office buildings. So if you can have a tech that can solve the floor plate, the planning and transit, make these buildings a lot more flexible in a retrospective point of view, retrofit, that's gonna do very, very well. So I think the composition of cities is gonna change significantly globally. It's funny that you just remind me about 25 years ago, I was doing a speech in Manhattan full room and and I made the prediction 25 years ago that some days office offices are going to get challenged because of you know laptop computers and the internet at the time and the whole room laughed and the guy who kind of put me on the spot you know said Jim you don't know anything about an office building 
You know, I said, uh, it, can, it can never be an apartment building. The elevator banks are different. And the windows don't open. And I just looked at him as the crowd was laughing at me, not with me. And I said, um, they'll figure it out. And here we are, 2022, and uh, and it's happening. So, guys, I can't tell you how uh, happy I was to have you on the show today. And I want to say thank you for getting up in the middle of the night. Looking forward to seeing you and really taking these prop tech conversations to another level uh, in, a, in a couple of weeks. So, um, thank you. Thank you so much, Jim. Safe Thanks travel. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much. All right. Two great guys know their stuff, do their homework. Uh, really important when you're throwing lots of money around. So let's bring on Howard, and he's going to give us the week news. Howard, how are you? Hey, Jim. Hey. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that conversation could have gone on for a week. Um, yeah, you're, you're right. Those guys are great. Um, and uh, their perspective, I think, uh, well, 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 we'll be hearing a lot from them at the conference. And I want to thank both Evo and Steven, um, really looking forward to their their thought leadership in Orlando in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I just I just want to I want to get to the day where one plus one equals two again. That that I think that would be healthy for the industry. I think guys like this are going to help us get there. So I agree. let me get out of your way and uh, you can do the news. I just uh, yeah, I'm going to recap just a couple of stories from the week. So our lead stories from Mandy Wedden from Feroz Real Estate Advisors it's on ESG and uh, entitled "It Matters, Measure It." If it matters, measure it. Um, so we typically measure investments by financial metrics like dividend and NOI, but now ESG performance is being applied to this broader way of looking at commercial real estate investors and investors literally looking for risk adjusted returns paired with positive social impact. And the pillars of ESG, of course, are environmental and focused on sustainable, fair, efficient use of resources, social, how we manage relationships with employees, suppliers, customers, and communities, governance, transparency, accountability. Uh, and these we add to a fourth pillar, which we call resilience, ability to identify, address, mitigate, respond to risks and opportunities. So Mandy encourages real estate organizations to start now, have a plan. We need metrics, reporting tools like Gresby. Bottom line, ESG reporting is evolving and best to be forward thinking about it. So get started. Great article. Thank you, Mandy. I also want to shout out to this week's tech partner, Yardi. So I think we agree, we're all perplexed about the outlook for a return to office. Folks like working from home, they are not shy about exploring other employment options. More than 47 million Americans voluntarily left their jobs last year. Just this last February, Pew Research study found that six out of 10 workers say their jobs can mainly be done from home. So during the pandemic, landlords spent a ton of money on HVAC, touchless cleaning supplies, social distancing signs. Today, more about unconventional amenities like doggy daycares and beehives and grab-and-go cafes and golf simulators. The list of potential amenities is almost limitless. Event centers, private offices, catering kitchen spaces, open areas, in addition to the basics like Wi-Fi and good phone service. So one thing is for certain, tech and a lot of it's going to be foundational to providing and managing these next-gen amenities and services like Yardy's Cube. Uh, so great article. Thank you, Yardi. Uh, next, uh, GSA, uh, uh, General Services Administration, is demonstrating and validating some pretty cool next-generation smart building technologies. So GSA is working with U.S. Department of Energy's Building Technologies Office, BTO. They're moving forward with pilots of nine building technologies to help meet zero carbon goals. Here's a quick peek. There's an additive that increases heat trans uh, transformation by Endo Technologies bi-directional EV charging by Fermatted Energy, AI plus AER building energy management systems by the building people, CO2-based heat pump by Dalrada Energy Management Information and Building Automation System 
by Sidewalk Labs, EV charge management by WeaveGrid, uh, high, uh, high efficiency dehumidification by Conservant, non-metallized William uh, window film by 3M, solar PV tracking by Rocking Solar. And this program is going to enable GSA to make next-gen building technology investments based on actual performance. So there's more to come on this. Finally, uh, this one blows my mind. A metaverse real estate deal valued at $5 million. So this was reported in a press release by CryptoSlate. I can't attest to the accuracy or truth, but it was reported according to the press release. TCG World announced a strategic partnership with Curzia Research, which has acquired 19 commercial real estate properties inside TCG World for $5 million. Curzio plans on building its headquarters in the Asia region of TCG World, adjacent Wall Street bets for investor meetings, events, seminars, conferences, and the like. So, and with that, I'm going to wrap it up. That's it for me today. Uh, back to you, Jim. Well, um, you know, we, we laugh, but I'm not, you know, I remember when Bill Gates said this internet thing is a passing fad. Okay. So we, we, I'm actually getting more clarity on the metaverse every day in the connection between the physical world. I mean, was it uh, Accenture bought 60,000 headsets for its new employees? They're going to yeah, spend. That makes sense. Yep, yeah. I so mean, training, I mean, training, maintenance, uh, gaming, events, all makes sense. Well, and we're also going to play with some metaverse things at the conference. Just a little a little uh, tip there yeah, as well. But, but, but like any of the virtual stuff or any of the, uh, any of the emerging technologies, there may be. I think there are clear use cases and we have to be very, you know, when we try to apply those to real estate, we have to be really sober. Yes, we do. How we apply those. Well, and I also want to make mention of your, your, um, Yardi discussion about amenities. Amenities are absolutely one of the things, but I would, I would say that these other three things have to be taken into serious consideration. If we want to get those buildings full again, being fully utilized and making those, those urban areas vibrant again, in addition to great amenities, and experiences, which I'll you know, lump into that new virtual, digital, metaversal type experiences, you need to consider indoor air quality, i.e. the pandemic, right? People got to know that that air is clean. Number two, safety. All you got to do is read the headlines every single day, what's going on with crime. Those buildings have to be safe. And three, you've, you can't ignore the commute anymore. You can't. You can't not ignore that hour each way on a train, in a car, whatever. And, and we've got to be smart because these people are being stubborn uh, and, and not in a bad way. I mean, they, they did, they've had two years of experience and I think that we can't deny that in these new experiences and these buildings we bring them back to, they got to be something different. Yeah, I mean, we're competing for their time. We're, you know, we're asking them to be in the office, better make it worth their while and make it worth the company's while to make those uh, investments, yeah. Absolutely. So, hey, great job as usual. And uh, I'll, uh, I'll see you next week. Thanks, Jim. Okay. Hey, have a great long. And before we uh, end the show, let's take a brief commercial break, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit about next week's show. Office platform by iOffice and Space IQ makes tough calls easier. Our software brings all your real estate data from many different systems into a single platform. You can identify occupancy rates and trends with intelligent space management software and sensor integrations. You can help tenants make the most of your space with technology that helps them find people and places fast. Turn tough real estate calls into opportunities with iOffice. Brought to you by iOffice and Space IQ. 
All right. So, you know, when you're talking about real estate technology, you know, you can talk about an application, you can talk about a solution, you can give somebody a demo on a computer terminal, all good stuff. But the magic really happens when you see all those technologies come together and make a different, unique type of real estate, i.e. a building, right? A smart building, an intelligent building, a digital district. And so for about 10 years now, we have been doing something called the Smart Building Innovation Showcase. And what it does is it brings together some of the smartest buildings from around the world. Google's campus has been on there, Microsoft's campus, Burj Khalifa, Shanghai Tower. I mean, we've had some of the most intelligent uh, digital next generation buildings in that showcase. And what we're going to do is we're going to go internal next week, no external guests. We're going to have myself, Howard, and Tina Danielson, who runs the, the showcase for us and has really become quite the expert on what's going on globally. And we're just going to talk about some of the projects and what people can expect when they're walking around that showcase. Uh, in many cases, we'll have the project manager or the purpose uh, person responsible for that, uh, some of the technologies, but you'll be able to see it in a way that you can understand it in action in the building. So with that, I want to say have a great day, great weekend, be well, and we'll see you next Friday on Realcom Live.